This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Welcome to the Classic Phase Rip Podcast. I am DM Vince, sitting alongside DM Matt. Hello, everyone. We had no technical issues this time, so we were on time and yeah. actually a few minutes early to start this podcast this week live on my channel. So don't get used to it. Yeah, I don't get used to it because, you know, our track record is always late. So this is an aberration. Yes. Matt's not actually here. I'm not actually here. We're just all, you know, ghosts. It's <laughs> it's all AI. Um, we are. This is a deep fake uh, live stream. No one wants a deep fake. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right so last week we had uh talked about some good stuff which was let me get my notes here we talked about ultimate powers and origins of power this week we're going to jump into something a little bit different this week and talk about uh base building which a lot of people kind of enjoy some people don't enjoy i don't i don't know what do you what, do you, what is your overall opinion of base building oh, this is one of my favorite things when i would make characters I always like just building the base and laying it out and designing it. So this is something that I like really enjoyed and probably spent a little too much time with. Um, Cause usually what I do um, like in the book, it has like the different buildings and like what they would cost they have to buy or rent like a one bedroom apartment or whatever. So depending on what my resource level of the character was, I would kind of use that as the bait, the base starting point. For making my base i'd figure out where am i living how many rooms does that get me and then what packages can i buy to actually make it and the packages though when you get into them, it goes it runs everything from just like the mundane like living rooms kitchen that type of stuff to all of a sudden your laboratories and your hangers in your medical base and all that sort of like runs the gamut so you turn to page 55 and they're setting up house headquarters and equipment that does not move or blow up usually <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And th- yes, you hope it doesn't blow- move or blow up, but yeah. a lot of times it could end up being a tower defense game <laughs> once you have one set up. True. Yeah. Because if you look at the cost, the the rank on the left is how much it's to rent, and the rank on the right is how much it actually costs to buy. So if you're on the lower end of things, you can rent like an apartment in which it, and usually if I'm running a game, I like having the players have some sort of home. Like where do they live? And uh, so the cost is renting it as opposed to actually buying it. No, it's both. The, the, the left hand rank, how there's that slash. Oh, I see. Got it. Right. Okay. And the right rank is the buy. So you can rent or buy any of these. Uh, But what I usually do is I like having my players have a headquarters, like where they live. And even if it's not them all living together. And then I'm also one that really uses the maps a lot. So I'll actually have them pick out specific buildings on the map. Like this is my apartment I live in. This is the house I own. So that way... I can work that into the story because you never know when a street fight may just break out in front of your house. It happens in Marvel. <laughs> it does. That's, that is correct. Yeah. 
So once I have them do that, I'll let them start uh, actually furnishing it. Like the one-bedroom apartment, when you go in the descriptions, it tells you around how many rooms you get and what it comes with. So I let them fill out the packages from there, especially if they actually are able to afford a house. Because like with the house, like like your large house, you got 12 rooms. So you got – that's 12 packages you could buy if you can actually afford that. Like a small one – small house is four rooms. So I let them start doing a little shopping for this. So how would you – now if – I say I have the 12-room house there and I'm shopping. Now you would look at what my – resources that's it i couldn't think of the word i froze what is it called (laughs) yeah the resources and let them go shopping but the and and this is the thing though it's like how that i kind of struggle with at times is how much shopping do i let them do in advance because typically the way this would work is if you're maxing out your resources you get to you would roll that and see if you can afford it or not but this is all pregame. So how much of that do you let them do? I mean, let's just say I'm like picking a living room package, which is good. And I have, I don't know. We'll say I have amazing resources for some odd reason. Yeah. Maybe at I that point, it. yeah, at that point, it doesn't matter because it's that many ranks below that a good is pocket change. Doesn't matter. I'm talking more like if you were at like maybe good, excellent resources. Whereas those would require rolls just to get like the living room package. Yeah. How many of those do you let them just have starting out? Well, I mean, I guess if they're just starting out, they're just putting stuff together. You want them to have like a pretty decent base as long as it's within reason. I would say that, you know, living room package, maybe a crappy dining room package. Right. You would have a decent kitchen. Library? No, you probably wouldn't have a library to start out with. Like same with like the computer room or the mm. communications room. Now, if they wanted one of those, I might let them make a roll, but that will be like maybe their first res- resource roll for the week. Yeah. Just something <clears throat> because otherwise you could be like, "Well, I've had this for a while and I have all this crap in it." Do you really? Or because yeah i could see players especially if they have higher resources just kind of going crazy and having the fully stocked x mansion Ugh, yeah i mean but if you're a group together playing the group playing together and like one person is a let's say a computer-based superhero he has some hacking abilities he has the ability to you know transpose with the computer i don't know i'm making it up but yeah. You, it's kind of logical in my mind that this person would bring this type of room to the house. Right. And I think also I've even had it situations where the players are separate. Like they, they have separate bases. Like they, they have their own individual house. They don't have the group home. They have their own like secret identities that have oh, homes. Yeah, so if so. you have a secret identity, you're going to have a secret identity home. And then do you have a group base or you just try to cram what you in your secret identity home? Hmm. So they could all wind up with their own, like, I don't know, one bedroom apartment type deal going on and trying to jam everything into there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I, yeah, again, it comes at really down to the type of game and the type of group you have. 
whether if they because even if they're a super group like the Avengers or something, if they have secret identities, they're going to have their secret identity home that they also need to maintain and upkeep. And what do they have there? And I see my max. Yep, my max headroom is back. Yeah, you're you're doing your max headroom. Camera. I know. Um, what I found is if I do this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that will help. Like if I toggle the input, but I think it's pro. Well, I'm also using a one of the twelve dollar Amazon capture cards <laughs> for my camera, so that is probably it. Um, next time we go, I will actually just switch to the USB connection. It doesn't quite get the best video, but it doesn't have this issue. I mean, we're only sitting still. It's not like we're doing a marathon of something here. So, right. And plus, it also goes well with the uh, just the whole ambiance of this game. It's very time appropriate. Max Headroom. Max Headroom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. So when they're building the rooms of the house, like when I did it in my villains game, I really didn't use this at all because I don't use the resource system at all. I hate resource systems that are like this when you have to roll versus the amount of money you have and everything and see where you like what I like when D20 Modern had that system, they first implemented it for their system with the whole wealth system. And DC Heroes has a similar one as well. I was just like, you know, I'm just going to use cash values for stuff. And they were villains, so they were pretty much robbing stuff left and right. So I was basing it off of that. And one of the players was uh, kind of, he had made, he made up a whole backstory that he was related to Tony Stark in a certain way. Yeah. He was like the nephew of Tony Stark, but. He wasn't as rich as him, but we came up with this whole backstory how he had a certain amount of funds and he was a he worked for the Toyota factory here in Texas. And that's how he and we we actually went and looked up salaries of his job to determine what his actual resources would be for the game. So and then we were like logically from there, like, okay, you would probably have a house like this, which would have this type of layout. We went from there and then we wound up making his house the uh, the base for everybody because uh, most of the players were, you know, <laughs> one person was a street magi- magician as his job. Yeah. Uh, another guy was a cop that didn't do his job half the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot what the other one, the other one was, I don't know. He lived apart. part, lived in the gas station above. He lived in an apartment above the gas station, things like that. Yeah. So we all had, he all had uh, one base in this guy's house. So it's easier to do it that way. Yeah. The last game I ran, the I one of the players actually had decent resources, uh, or they were like remarkable. So they actually bought a house, and we said they rented the their spare bedroom out to one of the other players <laughs> as a way to be in the same house. It was all so, and uh, because that player, his job was he was a artist, it making sculptures out of like. Uh, precious metals when really what he had the ability to uh, change the convert elements, anything, any matter into a different element. So he would just can pick like, Oh, there's a squirrel, turn it into gold. And then like, say, this is my very realistic sculpture of solid gold. Mm. So yeah, he, he, he was in the whole art world, just selling things. He turned into like gold and silver as sculptures. (laughs) Yeah, some of these packages, you can really build out the X-Mansion going on here. Wow. Right. And it's like 
a lot of this as the players rank up and they go on to uh, fight bigger things, you could even get into the point where they starting out, they can't have it. But maybe down the line they do. And then you get into the they're building base structures, either adding rooms or actually building an entire base during the game. And then I think that opens up all kinds of opportunities for different stories. Because one, you run into the whole, you now have independent contractors working on your base. Will they keep secret what you're doing? Or is it going to be a whole public thing? Not to mention, what if some, like, what if some evil people and some of the villains, like, sneak in a part of the crew to work on your base and instead wreak havoc and cause chaos? That's right. And yes. The- Thank you. In my, our chat, John said the, one of my characters started as a, a tech support support guy at a call center. <laughs> That's right. Fantastic. Yes. I, it was such a long time ago. I don't remember some of the stuff that we crazily came up with for that weird game. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like there there's stories to be told with just your base being under construction. The- yeah, this yeah, this other equipment that you can include in here and fire extinguishers, fire hoses. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you can fully stat out and it's even like you got your nullifier, uh, fuller, yeah, nullifier bands, bands yeah. and rocket pack and all of that. Then you could have your like salary, your butler. You can get butlers, secretaries, lawyers, because if you get that big, you do need underlings just to manage your thing. Jarvis was an essential part of the Avengers. So, I mean, you could really go all out with this, and I think it's actually really enjoyable, and I think players, it helps the players actually make real what their base is, when they actually can be like, okay, we have this room, we have this room, and you can kind of even lay out a map for it, so that way, maybe a bad guy does find out where they live, and then they take the battle to their home. Or it's under construction, and next thing you know, you got to protect the independent contractors. Otherwise, you're going to have a Death Star situation. I'm honestly surprised that TSR did not take advantage of this and make a base building book because they've done that for D and D. So I'm surprised they didn't do it for this. Yeah, I mean, this seems like the perfect thing to do. It, you could go f- a full supplement with just building bases. I, 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 I could. I'm like seeing the supplements. Now with just like it would have all the different maps and layouts you could have for a base so you could make your own. So it's like you have your since they like their pop ups and uh, cutout chits, like the different room packages. So you could just lay them out on a map in order to whatever uh, layout that your building would have. Game Nexus is saying my players never thought they needed a base. Less things (laughs) to defend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. so if you want to work out of your van like the Punisher, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Punisher, I mean, I guess depending on the storyline, yeah, he did work right. out of his van. Yeah, it was either his van or he had a microchips workshop. Wasn't microchip the one that actually owned the van or did he actually own the van? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember either. I, I wouldn't be surprised. It, I can't. Yeah, it's been so long since I've actually read that. But yeah. I, I could also see microchip actually modifying the DMV record. So that way, when the plates ran, it doesn't come back to Frank. 
or whatever name of the week he's using. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really so. surprised TSR did not pick up on this. Of, I don't think they put a whole lot of effort into the phase rip stuff for some reason, advertising wise, because I didn't see too much advertisement on it when I yeah. was playing uh, first or second edition D and D at all. I mean, really, when you look at it, most of the energy was spent converting the existing Marvel IPs and making this like into the game, like statting out the characters, laying out like the Avengers Mansion, the X Mansion, Doom and Latveria, mapping out all the known stuff as opposed to putting a lot of effort into letting the players customize everything like like you were talking the base. It's like we got. Closest thing we got to that was the Ultimate Powers book. It was like a true, not Marvel IP characters being statted out book, but instead that was just something for character creation. Didn't they make a supplement with all gear and gadgets and stuff? There, there was one. It was like the weapons locker. Yeah. And yeah. But even then, it's like. When it comes to the equipment in this game, it's like like weapons and stuff. I just see them as so interchangeable that they're just kind of it's kind of like if you get like the arms and weapons guide for Palladium. Does it is there really that much difference between all the guns? Well, according to uh, Kevin Sabedia, yes, there is apparently that you need the, the, multiple the, books for it. There, I mean, there's different stats, but effect. In game terms, they function the same. So at that point, it's fluff. It's at that point, it's called "I want to sell another book." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's like someone decided, "Hey, I just kind of want to nerd out on weaponry and guns, so I'm just going to make a supplement out of it, so I can call it a tax write-off and get paid, <laughs> or not get paid." In some cases, yeah, yeah. I honestly yeah. think that it, th- I think a, a base building book would be an excellent book to have for phase rip. And I, I honestly am surprised that no one on the Canon project has picked up on that or done that, or maybe they are, I don't know. Cause I don't have their list of what they're doing, even though, uh, they always drop it in their, uh, in their Facebook group all the time. I just never open up the PDF. I mean, the Excel chart to look at it. They could be doing yeah. something. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, they wanted all the guns to be moldable concept, basic stats to apply to all. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, for, yeah. Also, let's not go to a full palladium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really like it. The guns are there to enough that you could be like, okay, it can be whatever gun you want, and you you can go about your day. And also, really, it's Marvel. How much are people other using actual weapons? They're using their powers. They're using their gimmicks. They're not using they're not running down to the sporting goods store to buy like a hunting knife and a firearm. They're using their powers. So it's not like it was needed. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you never know what you're going to use. So, right. And in fact, my group spent a lot of time in their base and a lot of times being plotting villains until they figured out what to do half the time. Yeah, as the game Nexus says, the focus on this game was definitely on powers, not all the other stuff. Yep. Well, unless you wanted to play a street-level game, then it would be focused on tech. Right, tech or very minor superpowers. 
I remember a game one time I was playing and people were playing. Um, someone was Dark Phoenix. Someone was Thor. Someone was this or that. And I was sitting there playing the Punisher. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, "So what do you do?" I'm like, "I shoot my gun." He goes, "The the GM at the time goes, he picks the dice up, he puts it down on the table, he goes, you miss.'" (laughs) I said, "Hey, I didn't even get to roll." He's like, "You missed. This is a cosmic power entity." I said, "Hey, I could roll double zeros. You never know." Yep. And he's just like, "Fine." I roll. I didn't get double zeros. (laughs) That that's when you use all your karma. Yeah, I didn't have enough karma to do it though. Oh. But it was just funny. He just picks up and said, "You miss." <laughs> but it was it was fun. I didn't care. I was there just yeah. to socialize and have fun playing games. So right. All right. Let's move on to our next thing here. Get us back on the screen. Get a full Matt Max Hedrum on the screen. Yes. Share my screen here. We're gonna do our new. Once I can get it up here. Uh, where is she? Okay, there it is. Our new segment of the week called Villain of the Week, where we're going to be talking about a villain that Matt and I had found. We went through all the, uh, what was the book that we went through again? Uh, we went through the, uh, ga- the Gamer's Guide to the Marvel Universe. Thank you. I Thank have you. it. Yeah, because I've got two binders with all of them. So I, we, I literally just flipped to a random page, and then this is what turned up. Random page came up the Dream Queen, the daughter of Nightmare. The Lord of the Dream Dimension. Ooh, sounds like Freddy Krueger when you think about it right away. Yeah. Uh, so the Lord of the Dream Dimension and is that Zilla Char? I, I never knew how to pronounce that name. Uh, yeah, demon succubus who attacked men in their dreams 800 years ago. Once when wandering through the borders of the Nightmare Domain, Zilla Char was, char- was captured by Nightmare who impregnated her and exiled her to the Pocket Dimension. Wow. That's a hell of a Marvel backstory going on right there. Yes. <laughs> According to the nature of the kind of the demon she was, Char was consumed in the flames as she went through the process of giving birth. When the flames died, the unclothed, I want to make a note that they had to say the unclothed adult yeah. form of the demoness that became known as the dreaming, the yeah, dream queen. I said to say the demon queen remained in place. I was thinking of Finn Balor, the opposite, but oh yeah, <laughs> remained in place. So apparently these this type of race, when they have their own child, the child becomes them taking over the form of and the memories of the previous mother, just like the mother of the mother. So basically she is a demon trapped in another dimension that can reach out to our dimension only through psychic links through various people using magic and some other stuff. So her story was basically was what's her name? Laura Dean, who was a portal dimension, I guess it was a portal opener person or dimension jumper, yeah. was had you was had the ability to open a dimension to her particular realm because she sent her daughter, who was Goblin, in there thinking it was a paradise realm, the live world, if you want to call it. Well, it's spelled that way. I, I always thought it was live world, but I'm like, no, it's live world. So, <laughs> yeah. However you want to do the English language there. Supposedly, she rules over this live world where she created the perfect place for everybody, but it's only perfect for her. So <laughs> She thought it was perfect for everybody. It's in yeah. her mind it was perfect for her only. So once she found that Laura Dean did this, she had basically made an all-out mission to get Laura Dean captured, brought over, and a portal opened up so she can come back to Earth. To rule Earth, pretty much. 
And that's the story. So how would we use this villain in a game? Well, you could use the same plot that's used for her backstory. Well, one extra note here. Her first appearance was Alpha Flight 56 in 1988. Her last appearance was Alpha Flight 130 in 1994, according to the Marvel Wiki. But I believe she may have made an appearance in the later editions of Alpha Flight in the 2000s, around there. But I, the only part, thing I would think would be to make an adventure around this that you would use the same thing, have Laura Dean, this mutant that's able to open up portals to other worlds. She figures out about it, and this person's in danger. And maybe she starts sending these various creatures after her to attack her, and a whole, like, Terminator, Sarah Connor thing going on. And you have to find her and protect her before the demon comes into the world and destroys it. That's how I've been thinking yeah. about it all week when we were doing this and i tried reading the alpha flight comic books and my god they're so boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah i it's probably the writing it, style because it's such an older writing style yeah it, it yeah you have to remember this is like right before the she appeared right before the big boom of the 90s when everything became the anti-hero and yeah it, it, in pockets all the pockets and all the all the characters um, well, I was reading, I read in 56, 57, 58. I'm like, this is dull. This is boring. I don't like this writing. I don't even know who these characters are. <laughs> so, yeah. No but, uh, offense yeah. to the writers of Alpha Flight. I'm sure they yeah. did a wonderful job for their time. I apologize. I'm not making fun of them in any way. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, really, she is someone that if you have someone that's into like mysticism, magic, uh, that sort of thing. You could use if in any sort of dimensional travel. She's something you can use. She can all also. Uh, you could even j just maybe tease her as use her as like something's coming by taunting the players in their dreams or just start to plant the seeds like players having the nightmares uh, and that kind of leads a hint like, hey, she's she's awakening. She's coming back. And then maybe there's someone that actually wants is trying to bring her in. So they're trying to open a portal. This would be where if you're running like a more magic campaign, maybe there's a cult that worships her or something. And then they're trying to get together the items for the spell to bring her out. Kind of like you could take almost any Cthulhu plot and sub her. Dream Queen with Cthulhu. Yeah, you probably could. Playing the role of Cthulhu this week is Dream Queen. I mean, that type of thing. You could so that way because ba to really have the players interact with her, she either has to come to their realm or you got to get them to hers. And I almost think pulling her and trying to pull her in the real world is the story. I think an interesting way to do it is if you have like a mystic character, like you said, you could do like the start of how they would do like a movie about it. Like your character's sleeping and all of a sudden he has this weird dream of this, you know, you describe the demon queen and as she's stepping through the portal and she's, you know, destroying this and that and you describe the whole scene and everything. And then you see there's this one person, you see her face come right to your, your mind. She's, she's dying on the ground saying, I shouldn't have done it. And boom, you wake up. Maybe that could be like one of those things. Like, you know, the start of some weird movie that Marvel would do. 
Right, yeah, the foreshadowing of things to come. And so yeah. now the player is like, whoa, what was that? Who is that? I mean, the DM described it. It has to be important. So Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't just get this really random cutscene for no reason. I mean, unless you're one of my players, they just go, nah, screw it. And they just don't bother with it. Whatever. Oh, that, yeah, that's like in my game, Cthulhu, they were ignoring some obvious clues. So therefore, I'm like, well, you guys are taking too long. Cthulhu's about to be raised. You better get there quick to stop it. Watch out. Here he is. Yeah. Same with this. It's like if they ignore it, guess what? She's coming. So at that point, then they get to deal with her rampaging through the city and doing what Dream Queen does. So therefore, yeah. I mean, and the th and the thing I like about her is unless you're hardcore Marvel and really into the 80s, it's, this is kind of a deep cut. So the players won't already know what to expect. They're not going to be like, oh, I'm familiar with them. This is what they do. And it, it's hard, harder for the average player to be able to just metagame off the top of their head, even inadvertently. So I like getting these deep cut characters and integrating them to my game. I can't think of any other way that you would pretty much do it. I think that's, we pretty much explained it there. Yeah. I mean, when, when the whole base concept is they're trapped in a pocket dimension, there's only so much you can do at that point. Yeah. There's the whole cult, like you said, worshiping, trying to do it. There's a person that they're after. You have to try to protect, figure out who that person is. But in, and also with her, it's going to have to be a higher level of players. You can't have your street level people dealing with her. No, no, um, it would have to be definitely higher level player characters with some type of, I don't know, mystic powers. One, uh, some demigod type powers as well, like a Thor type character. Yeah. Hercules yeah, or something. Right. Yeah. You need to have some really heavy hitters to deal with her. And that and this is this is something where with the Marvel RPG that I've determined it's almost better when you're designing a campaign to first have your players make the character, then build the campaign around that than having a campaign that you can just slot in any character. Because if. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. You can't you can't do the D&D &D method with this at all. So, right. Yeah, you can't just this is the story. This is the world. Plug these people in. Doesn't work because you get that because not everyone's starting from the same level. Yeah, it's the only way to balance it out is you have your players and then you make the game around them. So, but yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely interesting. And if you have the right group for it, it, this would be a great thing to throw at them because, yeah, they're not going to probably see it coming. Especially if you have a, a group that's overpowered and needs a little smacking around. Yep. Because you could, with her, you could even have them start taunting them in their dreams where maybe their powers aren't quite as good because that's her domain, not yours. Yeah. Well, like you said, you definitely and the game Nexus is confirming here in chat always made characters and then built a narrative around it because it's so random in Marvel. You don't know what you're going to end up with. You could yep. have a bunch of characters that are so low level that this type of thing would not work whatsoever. And then you would then maybe you might get a, a group of characters that are overpowered and might destroy her instantly. Who knows? I mean, you could roll just about anything. 
Yeah. Oh, he dropped a link in the chat about uh, some video he did about Marvel superheroes. Cool. Oh, sweet. Check that out. Yeah, definitely. I'm unable to click on it right now. But anyway, so tell us what you think about the villain of the week. What villain suggestions would you like to see us go over and talk about? It could be anybody from the Marvel Universe. As long as it's a Marvel villain, it doesn't even have to be part of the game itself. I mean, as long as it's in the Marvel database, we can go through it and then research from there. That's all I did when Matt picked out Dream Queen. I looked her up and started grabbing the comics that she was involved in and tried not to fall asleep reading them. And... (laughs) Didn't do well with that part, but <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe maybe that's part of her power. She was trying to lure you to go to sleep so she could Freddy Krueger you in her your dreams. No, Matt Hedrum. No, <laughs> not at all. All right. So that's a, the show for this week. Uh, we're gonna say we're gonna get out of here. We'll be back in two weeks with another show. We're gonna try to keep these relatively short, thirty to forty minutes around there. I like these shows like this because it gives people the chance to do something, listen to them while they're doing something else. And live shows are, you know, for fun if people want to, you know, join us and have fun, yeah. you know, chatting along with us. We're on Periscope, or which aka Twitter. I think Periscope is gone, even though it still comes up as Periscope, but whatever. And we're on my YouTube channel slash The Evil DM. You can come over here and hit subscribe and uh, like the video and chat away with us and enjoy the past classic phase of podcast. You know what I'm saying, right? (laughs) Yeah. Tongue twisted on that one. The past podcasts. So with that said, we're going to head out and we're going to say keep it original, keep it old school and Excelsior. Excelsior. There we go. You've been listening to the Classic Face Rip Podcast. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the podcast are not the final word and are just what they are, opinions. If you'd like to catch up on all their episodes, head on over to ClassicFaceRip.com or if you want to check out the video shows live on YouTube, go to YouTube.com slash C slash The Evil DM. Again, that's YouTube.com slash C slash The Evil DM. Email us at AskTheDM at TheEvilDM.com. Thank you.